Hi, everyone. Welcome to Down the Rabbit Hole on Domain Sherpa. Jen and JT here. And as we say on Domain Sherpa, all roads lead to domains. And in the reverse, our work with domains has us venturing all the time into different areas, hence the jump down the rabbit hole. This is our tech-adjacent, digital assets, pop culture, tangent positive, anything goes monthly-ish podcast with a dash of domain nuggets for good measure. We'll explore provocative topics with our distinguished guests, touch on some news, maybe not today, but we'll do a few different topics and likely shower you with very relevant trivia today. <laughs> That's right. And we'll bring on these interesting guests to that. And today we have Donna and Marcello Abate from Fit for Life, Mind, Body, Soul, who focus on digital wellness and mental performance. So question, how do you balance using technology for work and leisure while ensuring it doesn't negatively affect your physical and mental health, such as posture, eye health, sleep, mindset, nutrition, productivity, communication, and relationships? We're going to be diving down this rabbit hole today. That's right. And this is a very important aspect of all of our lives. So even if this is not a very domain-centric show, you should tune in and see how all this can help you. And remember, if you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, you could also watch the video version at DomainSherpa.com and on our YouTube channel at DS.TV. You can also check us out on Apple and Spotify and other podcast platforms as well. And as usual, big shout out to Dan.com, the number one place in the world to buy and sell your domains with a special platform made for domain investors. With that, tis time to get curiouser and dive down the rabbit hole on Domain Sherpa, where all roads lead to domains. Let's go. What's up, Sherpa Network? Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Jonathan Tenenbaum, a.k.a. JT, a.k.a. Jayon, a.k.a. Sherpa Winfrey, a.k.a. John Burgundy. And I'm the host and producer of Domain Sherpa, where all roads lead to domains. Today's show is our Down the Rabbit Hole show. Welcome to the Tea Party. As we say here on Domain Sherpa, all roads lead to domains. And in the reverse, our work in domains has us venturing all the time into different areas and topics, some super familiar to us and some not so much, hence the jump down the rabbit hole. This particular show is co-hosted by Jen and myself, and we describe it as our tech-adjacent digital asset, pop culture, tangent, positive monthly podcast with some domain stuff thrown in for good measure. So we pick a topic or two to get into we cover a bunch of related uh news and pieces and parts of it and uh really just try to have as much fun as we can while giving you guys as much information as we can and today i'm super 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 excited i don't know if i'm as excited as jen is but i am very very excited for today's show because we are focusing today on digital well-being and mental performance and we have donna abadi and marcello abadi did i did i say that right guys did i say it right Abate, Abate. Abate, okay. (laughs) From Fit for Life, Mind, Body, Soul, and these guys are, they're based in Australia like Jen is, and they are, I mean, you know, experts probably isn't even a good enough qualified term to say for you guys for this particular field. So really we couldn't have anybody better, but let me go ahead and do my AKAs. I don't want to get into the, I don't want to give it, get into the bio just, just yet. I'm going to start with my homegirl, my co-host, over to my right, I got my girl Jen Sale, a.k.a. Aussie Osborne, a.k.a. Olivia Newton-Jen, a.k.a. Rocket Isle Dundee, a.k.a. Dingo Star, a.k.a. Melbourne to be wild, a.k.a. Sipping on Jen and Juice. And of course, on this show, a.k.a. Alice, what's up? How are you, Jen? How's everything? Super duper. 
<laughs> all right, all right. Well, this show has been a long time coming. We've talked a ton about this one offline and super excited to be able to have Donna and Marcello on here. So let me go ahead and let me do my AKAs. I'm actually, uh, well, you know what? I'll go with Marcello first. I had Marcello on the other side of my sheet, but down to my lower right, we got Marcello Abate, a.k.a. the Master of Minds, a.k.a. the Performance Whisperer, a.k.a. Lemoncello, a.k.a. Yo-Yo Mar. Cello, you know what I'm saying? So he <laughs> leveraging 25 years of experience. He's a pioneer in the fitness industry, specializing body biomechanics, martial arts, Tai Chi, and mindfulness mentoring. His ability to connect and initiating lasting change has reached the hearts of many. Just a profound human, originally from Italy. We might even get a little bit of that story here on the on the pod, which Jen had volunteered, but not you. So I don't know. You know what I mean? So oh, I don't know. Was I not supposed to say that? <laughs> anyway, welcome to the show, man. How are you? Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you for having me. Yeah, <laughs> oh, dude, I really you. look forward to it. Well, thank you for being here. All right. And last, but certainly not least, below me, we have Donna Abate, a.k.a. the Wellness Wizard of Oz, a.k.a. O'Donna, a.k.a. Capadonna, a.k.a. the Ripped Little Ripper. That's from Jen. That's not from me. And a.k.a. is Don is good. I don't know what that means either. But that was from Jen, so she really coached me here on the AKAs. And Donna is a leading uh, wellness facilitator and has transformed thousands of lives at Fit for Life and Guingana Lifestyle Retreat. Her fusion of fitness modalities, nutritional and uh, naturopathic, naturopath. uh, How am I? How do I say naturopathic? Nature, naturopathic, okay, medicine, educational seminars, and group fitness sessions are unparalleled. So I took that stuff right from the site. You can find them at uh, fitforlifemindbodysoul.com. Also, fitforlife.au will direct you to their site. Uh, and the work that they do, again, digital wellness um, and, uh, and mental performance, mindfulness, uh, you know, really quick. And then I'm going to kick it over to Jen to let her do a little bit more of the intro piece. But, you know, um, for the domain maxis out there, just so you guys know, this will be less, a lot less domain content that you guys are used to, but I think this is a huge benefit for our audience. I mean, we are all so attached to our digital devices all day, every day. We are on our computers nonstop, and uh, you know, these are the kinds of things that I think people lose sight of and don't realize that there are things that you can do. There are things you can think about that can actually you know, improve your quality of life as you are navigating you know, this digital landscape of our daily lives and with how it you know, sort of stuff to our devices that we are and uh, I think people lose sight of that they just think day after day I just got to keep like logging on and you know this is what it is it is what it is but there are ways to kind of get big brain about it and uh, you know really get better in tune with you know the you know some of the science behind it and uh, and other things that can absolutely help the way that you you manage and uh, and work and live so all that good stuff so Jen over to you. So I thought that I would just start with like a little bit of an explanation of what digital well-being is in case people aren't familiar, which I think most people think it's obvious. But um, so according to the Digital Wellness Institute, which is the institute that I've studied with, uh, digital wellness is a way of life while using technology that promotes optimal health and well-being in which body, mind and spirit are integrated by the individual to live more fully within the human, natural and digital communities. Now, I'm going to get Billy to pop up here the digital flourishing wheel. Damn. On your screen now, that will be <laughs> on your screen. Um, so as you can see, like when it comes to digital well-being, it's, um, it, it's quite in-depth. So there are like the Digital Wellness Institute break this down into eight segments. Today we can really only scratch the surface because we're limited on time. Um, so we'll be looking at like, two core 
um, segments, which are physical health and mental health and how technology affects these um, things in our lives and how we can improve upon them and optimize them. Um, and there's some things that you'll be like, oh, that's obvious. Um, but often what's obvious is not always what we end up integrating into our life, which is like, you know, that you should be doing a certain thing, but you just continue to do what you really shouldn't be doing because yeah. it's comfortable or, or whatever it is. It's a, it's a habit. Um, so we will, I think we should just dive straight in to like, we'll start with physical health, um, which the beautiful Donna is an expert on and, um, has like trans, these, both of these people have like changed my life. Um, so I'm just hoping that like some of the knowledge and information we can share today will like some people can take something away from it or not because, Hey. That's life. <laughs> That's it. And if you guys don't like today's episode, you can get the uh, the amount that you're paying to watch it back. We will refund it to you directly to your PayPal account. Um, but uh, so since the show is free to listen to and watch. But the uh, all right. Well, look, guys, let's let's uh, I want to talk really quick and understand a little bit about how you got into the space. You know, I know that I don't want to I know Jen doesn't want to dwell too much on it because I know she's said, hey, look, there's so much ground to cover here and we only have so much time. But I just think it's you know, so cool and, you know, would just be, you know, even if it's five minutes of, you know, how your journey got you to this point. So if one of you wants to tackle that and give us a little bit of background, that would be awesome. Nice to meet you all. Um, thanks for the amazing introduction and having us here on the show today. Um, so I'll lead. <laughs> so for me, I grew up in New Zealand and I was quite fortunate with my upbringing um, when it comes to you know, living in the beautiful natural environment. I grew up on a farm. And but unfortunately, I grew up quite unwell. And so that led me into wellness. I, I struggled with an autoimmune disease, asthma. Um, I was put on loads of different medication. And that was my normal. Um, I adapted to this new normal using Ventolins and being in hospital all the time. And um, so I put on a lot of weight from all the medication and had poor self-esteem, poor memory, poor learning, poor everything. I was always, always run down. Um, so, yes, yeah, straight out of high school, I wanted to figure it all out. So I went on and studied naturopathy, and I graduated 1996. So that was a lifetime forever ago. Probably a lot of your listeners weren't even alive then. Um, but naturopathy- I, I was. I was. That was. That's, uh, <laughs> I, that's was. One of them. I was. I was. <laughs> um, okay. Well, that makes me feel better. Um, but yeah, I graduated and started um, naturopathy at 21 years of age. And back then, there wasn't really many naturopaths around. And um, so over the last 20 years, it's become quite a popular thing to study. Um, but I've since then gone and done an exercise science and, and um, went on and did a nutritional, um, clinical nutrition degree and went on and studied, oh, sorry, and went on and worked at, um, in health retreats. So I was in a health retreat for 16 years and having up to like 60 people at a time. And it was just the most extraordinary experience to be in nature, stripping back the curtains, getting people off digital and just for five days, sometimes people come for three. But um, how quickly when you go back to the circadian rhythm and you come back to what's natural, um, our bodies flourish very, very quickly. 
So that's how I um, met Jen, but it basically transformed my life, learning the information that I have. I applied it to myself. Um, I still have asthma, but I don't need medication anymore. Mm. I use food as medicine. I use herbs as medicine, lifestyle as medicine, and it's literally got me into the best possible shape of my life. It's really Mm. empowered my life because I figured if I can do this because I was so sick, I figured if I can do this, I can do absolutely everything or anything. And so I changed all of my belief systems around learning, um, around being a motivated person, um, changed my mindset. I'm not a sick person. I'm not a um, lazy person. All the things that I thought that I was growing up. And um, yeah, I'm just kicking goals and and, and helping other people to do the same. And now we're in workplace wellness um, so yeah, it, it's all about empowerment um, with the knowledge that I hope to share with you all today. Love that. That's awesome. All right, cool. All right, Marcello, I don't know how you're going to top that, man. Maybe you should have gone first. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> uh, well, Marcello's um... my better half. So <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, so myself, um, I think when I was growing up, I was just a sporty kid. I just loved, I loved all sports. Um, and I was actually very interested in how the body works. Um, I'm older than Donna, so I graduated in uh, 1989 and came into an industry where there was no industry. And I, I guess I grew up um, at that time you know, admiring uh, people like Bruce Lee uh, and his methodology of uh, mixed martial arts, uh-huh. uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and methodology on on strength training, um, people like Chuck Norris and all, all these uh, guys that I followed as a young person uh-huh. that really motivated me to not only just go into an industry uh, that I was very passionate about, but also ended up wanting to help others. See, uh, I grew up, my mum had um, schizophrenia, so she had paranoid schizophrenia, and she was institutionalised. So as a young man, um, I have uh, four other brothers. Uh, We were split up and put into different homes and raised by different families each time my mum had an episode. This really motivated me to focus on health. That's, uh, I, I thought, once I know how to fix my mum, yeah, she would never have to be institutionalised again. So really that, that, was, that was the passion, is uh, helping her. And then ultimately um, I was thrust into helping uh, my friends' partners, uh, girlfriends with uh, eating disorders, anorexia, bulimia, and, and so forth. And so before I knew it, um, I spent most of my days just uh, studying different modalities, whether it was uh, nutrition, uh, mental health, physical health, and, and so on, uh, physiotherapy, chiropractic. Uh, it didn't matter what someone knew um my interest was how do i get to know that to help others within their uh, health and wellness goals um, 
it wasn't until I was in my late 20s that I discovered that predominantly men, when they had careers, um, no matter how successful they were in their career, they just um, felt a sense of dissatisfaction, discontent with their lives. And that really led me to start studying um, a Buddhist practice called the Satipatthana Sutta, which is the four foundations of mindfulness. Uh, you know, back then, I remember my mum asking me, why, why, why do you study that? Why don't you just go and study psychology? I'm like, no, you don't understand, mum. This is the foundation of understanding the mind. And uh, it's, it's an original text. It's two and a half thousand years old. And effectively, it goes into understanding all habits of the mind and and how to come out of it to the other side with a sense of uh, gratitude, contentment, openness, uh, vulnerability, and ultimately happiness. So that's that's been my journey. Oh, that's a dude. That's awesome. All right. Well, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't sure you were going to be able to top honest but you know and you know and i understand coming from a place of personal struggle i mean you know I, my heart goes out to you and, and i can understand what some of that was like for you and uh you know but in some ways i can't imagine and and you know um and it's you know, so you know, knowing that that you know, kind of forced you along a path of discovery uh to help you know others and you know those close to you and beyond is, is, is pretty awesome stuff man so um i feel that yeah so, all right, cool. Well, all right. Well, now we know what has kind of motivated you guys to get to this spot. Now let's talk, let's get into the nuts and bolts a little bit and, uh, and talk about some yeah. detail. Go ahead, Jen. Okay. So I was thinking we could start off with like some of like the physical health stuff, because I think like that's the stuff that sticks out to the people in our industry in terms of like sitting in front of a computer or being on your phone all day or like all of these different things. And, and there are a few different like subtopics that Donna and I thought, okay, these are the important ones that we could potentially like scratch the surface of. I mean, Donna and I can literally have three hour phone calls. So we're going to really try to, (laughs) we're going to try to keep this like high level, I guess. Um, and maybe like five to 10 minutes, like per section. We'll see how we go. Um, but the first one, I know, Donna, I'm trying, I'm trying. Um, so, um, so the first thing that we could probably jump into, which is a topic that we talk a lot about, Donna, is sleep. And sleep is one of your favorite topics. And um, mm. I think that a lot of people who do work on tech, um, sleep does become an issue in terms of like blue light and getting caught in these like behavioral loops on social media and things like that, losing track of time. And then before they know it, it's 2 a.m. and they're like, oh my God, I need to get like four hours of sleep before I wake up to start another day. So, I mean, I was thinking like if you could explain like how sleep works, touch on what the circadian rhythm is, because I know that you mentioned that, but there'll be people in our audience who don't know what that is um and then whatever other topics that you want to talk about awesome so we'll start with sleep 
Sleep. Let's talk about sleep. Let's talk about <laughs> sleep, baby. Yeah, this is big for me. I um because I'm like a like I'm so overly particular about sleep, and I'm always so worried about not getting enough. And I always feel like you know, literally, is the thing I'm probably chasing more than anything is being properly rested. It's almost to the point that when you overthink it, it gets so stressful. I'm terrible when I've got something important coming up the next day that I have to sleep. Because I can't, I'm not the type, some people, it's like as soon as their head hits the pillow, you know, they're out. For me, I'm the exact opposite. Like I will torture myself, not intentionally, but like my, it's like my brain just does its own thing and will be like, nope, sleep's not happening for you. In fact, you're just going to stay up for the next X amount of hours and then stress about how you're not sleeping. And then it just stacks on itself, you know? So, and I think I don't, and I think as I've gotten older, even though, you know, I, there was a point where I was a lot heavier, I lost a lot of weight that definitely improved my sleep you know, stop me from snoring and, you know, there's things. And, you know, I've also noticed that when I can get my diet in check, I could do a better job and it improves my sleep as well. But I think as I've gotten older, it's gotten harder, you know, and, and getting a good night's sleep is like, I mean, you let me, that's like the, it's like the Holy grail. I'm still searching, you know? So, so, but, uh, but anyway, so go ahead. I just, you know, letting yeah. you know this one, this one for me, I'm like, let's go, let's get it. <laughs> there's, there's really lots to unpack in order for everyone to understand how this whole rhythm works. But yeah, I mean, sleep is the number one thing that all of us absolutely need in order for us to have, you know, peak physical and mental health in our life. It's basically an unconscious state where your brain is more responsive to the internal stimuli rather than the external stimuli that we're exposed to every day. So when you're sleeping, your brain basically gets the repair that it needs and it's an active process that we need literally every 24 hours in order for us to detoxify and to heal and to regenerate. So for for adults like our age, say 18 and beyond, um, we need at least seven hours of sleep every single night. Um, apparently the research is saying that, you know, most adults, you know, is, is less than seven hours a night. Um, whereas if you think of, um, like teenagers and, and children or little ones, they, they just sleep all the time. If you think about our babies in order for them to grow and to regenerate they're they're sleeping all the time. So between the age of three and five, they literally need between 10 and 13 hours of sleep every single night. Um, between the age of six and 12, they need um, between 10 and 12 hours per night. Mm. And for all teenagers, they need um, between, I'll say, 13 to 18 years of age, they need between eight to 10 hours every night in order for this process to happen. So we've noticed over the last, you know, 30, 40 years that there's been a major decline in our ability to heal. So without the... um Without sleep, you're literally down-regulating your ability to do absolutely everything. So um, when your body doesn't sleep, it's basically your body is interpreting it as an absolute emergency, which causes many psychological and physiological effects. It leads to you wanting more sugar, where you literally need to crave sugar, and it literally shuts down the creative part of our brains. So it affects our metabolism, it affects our ability to focus, to concentrate, it affects our immune system, our emotional regulation, our hormones, our gut. It literally affects every physiological and psychological part of our mental, physical and emotional health. So um, that's how important sleep is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny because I've seen, you know. I've... 
Yeah, no. Well, and I've seen different studies and things that have talked about how many hours you actually need. And I think the you know it's interesting to think about children needing more sleep than adults. Um, and if those are the actual numbers, then you know seven hours. It's like I, I mean, that's that feels rare. That's rare to me. You know. <laughs> Um, I mean, that's where we could probably like talk about the circadian rhythm, Donna, and like the benefits of like going why we why human beings can't see in the dark and why that's the time to be sleeping <laughs> and why when the sun rises, we are human beings and we can see in the light and that is when we should be awake at, at first light. Yeah, well, um. In order to explain the circadian rhythm, it, it, our circadian rhythm, which is a 24-hour rhythm, it's, it's, a, it's a biological clock. Every single cell in our body has a clock um, that connects to our, our, our genetics, so hence why it affects every part of our body. So the idea is to wake up with the sun and go down with the moon because the sunlight um, has a physiological hormonal response on all of our neurotransmitters and hormones. And then as the light changes um, through the evening, when the sun goes down, there's another cascade of different hormones that occurs. So if you can align yourself to the sun-moon cycle, like what we're designed to do as a human species, you'll literally flourish better um, than using artificial light. Um so to have a good night's sleep, you literally need to understand all of the hormones and transmitters in order for this process to happen. So um, did you want me to sort of explain the, the process of how the, the hormones and the neurotransmitters um, create you to have you a good to, night's sleep? Do you want to dive into that, JT? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in. So, you know, but I'm also, I don't have anything else to do right now, so I'm good. <laughs> but no, I think this is important stuff. I'd love to, you know, I'd love to understand the science behind sleep better. I mean, because there's a lot of stuff out there and you can read books and you can go and read different articles and whatnot. But, you know, when you have an actual expert that's willing to sit there and tell you like, hey, this is what you need to know. It's like, you know, this is why, uh, you know, this is why people pay for the privilege. So, yes. Yeah, so please, by all means. Diving down the rabbit hole, going down the rabbit hole, in order for us to understand sleep, we like like when when you wake up in the morning, I'll, I really want to um, acknowledge a girlfriend of mine. Her name's Shannon McNeil, and she delivers seminars on sleep. And um, um, and what she says is that you need all. If you imagine all of the hormones and neurotransmitters being like board members that come to the boardroom to have a meeting. So if one of those um, board members is not present, sleep just won't happen. So if I can explain it like that, um, and there's certain neurotransmitters and hormones that are absolutely essential that need to have seats at the boardroom, and that's your melatonin, your cortisol. Hopefully um, your viewers have heard these words before. So melatonin is your sleep hormone. Cortisol is your wake hormone. You've got your thyroid hormones, your sex hormones, insulin, um, which is what balance your blood sugar levels, GABA, which is like your breaks, and then adenosine, um, which builds up throughout the day. So those are the key hormones and neurotransmitters. So in order for us to have a good night's sleep, you've got to think about all of those hormones and neurotransmitters need to be operational. They need to have a seat at the boardroom table. Now, the CEO of sleep um, is melatonin. So melatonin, when as soon as it becomes dark, it takes two to three hours 
in order for melatonin to kick in. But um, if you have light exposure, like particularly blue light exposure, it's just not going to kick in. So we need to really have the discipline and the commitment to switching off blue light or at least switching to amber light, which is the spectrum of the sun going down in order for that process to happen. Now, that is the CEO of sleep. Um, so you're not going to get to sleep if you don't have melatonin. So what about but, these kids that are like going to sleep like on their iPads, like they fall asleep on their iPads, like that's a really common thing these days. Even for adults, I know some adults who will fall like asleep kids, on their phones. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they fall asleep on their phones. <laughs> They'll be watching TikTok and they're like, I'm like, yeah. how does that even and work? It, and yeah, Exactly. So um, like because there's all of those hormones, like if you've got, you might be getting melatonin from from your diet. You can literally get some trace elements of melatonin from having um, lots of phytonutrients in your diet. You can also get melatonin from um, serotonin. So when you get up in the morning, it's literally it's cortisol that wakes you up. And during the day, cortisol is meant to go down. So by the end of the day, cortisol goes down, and that's what all, um, initiates melatonin to actually work. Whereas some people um, if you wake up in the morning and you've got little to no energy, it's because your cortisol levels are low rather than being high. So you just find it really, really hard to get out of bed and you can get this dysregulated cortisol where then it goes up at night um, and then you can't go to sleep. So in order for you to set that circadian rhythm, you want to get up in the morning, um, even if you're tired. And eventually over time, you will reset that circadian rhythm so your 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 cortisol is high um, or higher in the healthy range and then it'll come down and then your melatonin will kick in. So what about, it is cortisol that gets you up in the morning. And so what about uh, the, the folks who take melatonin to sleep at night? You know, is that the kind of thing that you should be avoiding? Is it? I mean, they make it seem like melatonin is relatively harmless as, uh, you know, sleep aid. So is that true? Um, you can certainly use it, but you, if you start supplementing your body with melatonin, well, then your body just doesn't want to produce its own. Okay, so the idea is to, to produce it yourself. Um, but you certainly can use melatonin supplements in order to reset that circadian rhythm. Um, but you would be using it for a short period of time because it's 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 like a it's not a it's not a sleeping tablet as such. However, it is moving in that direction of a sleeping tablet. So once you start using sure. um, sleeping tablets, it's really hard to balance your circadian rhythm. So when you get up in the morning, you literally want to be giving yourself um, natural UV light. Because it's when you um, get that natural exposure of UV light that you make some serotonin. Now, serotonin is your happy hormone, um, and it's it's your yeah. Like if you're on antidepressants, for example, it's it's a form of serotonin. You get given this because it's your joy. It's it's. Um, but the, the important thing about serotonin is you need serotonin to make melatonin. Yeah, so when the, the light shines into the optic nerves, it sends a message to the hypothalamus in your brain to release serotonin. And then um, tryptophan, which is an amino acid that you get from protein, that also can make um, serotonin. And healthy gut function from a whole foods diet can, can make serotonin or can make tryptophan that converts into serotonin. Now, that serotonin, if you don't have it, 
you don't have the backbone of what makes melatonin. So that serotonin with darkness makes melatonin. So to have a healthy night, so you need that light exposure. Yeah. So that's what people aren't realizing that to, to make melatonin, you need serotonin. To to have healthy melatonin, you need to have um, a, a, a good level of stress. Um, when I say good level of stress, not high amounts of stress, but you yeah. want to be able to manage your stress because cortisol is a stress hormone and that will diminish um, your production of melatonin. So then, so clearly you recommend then when you're really trying to get your sleep schedule lined up properly, the better that you can get lined up with the sun rising and setting the better right i mean that's like so we won't talk about what people who you know work the night shift should do and things like that but it i guess it's really just the yeah. as a baseline if you can wake up with the sun and go to sleep with the sun going down or go to sleep with the moon yeah. if you will you know that's kind of that's pretty key then yeah. absolutely um and because when you balance your circadian rhythm you're literally balancing every single hormone within your body like when it's out, everything's out. So in order for you to have good mental and physical performance in life, you really need to honor your sleep cycle because then you're balancing all of those hormones and neurotransmitters. So your happy hormone being serotonin. Um, there's also another um, board member, which is called GABA. Um, so GABA is a neurotransmitter that gets released um, between the brain and the body that is your breaks. You know, um, at the end of the day where you just can't unwind, <laughs> yeah. um, it's, it's because you don't have breaks and you get GABA um, from having healthy gut function. So from a whole foods diet that's really high in um, fiber, your gut bacteria makes GABA. It's called metabolites. The bacteria in our gut create metabolites and one of those metabolites is GABA. So 50% of GABA is made from your gut bacteria and that GABA becomes your breaks. Um, it's interesting, you know, a lot of people do this where you get home at the end of the day and you'll have a glass of wine. Um, why wine or alcohol is so good is because it binds to your GABA receptors. And so you get that feeling of <sighs> like those breaks. But the problem is, is as much as initially you feel relaxed from having that glass of wine, we all know that alcohol is a stimulant and it takes a lot of effort for your liver to detoxify that. And this process happens in the middle of the night because we do detoxification, phase two detoxification in the middle of the night. And because it's such a toxic substance, it wakes you up. It's really heating. It, it heats you up. Um, so it's actually a stimulant. It's not a relaxant, but because it binds to your GABA receptors, you feel like you're relaxing, but then it'll wake you up through the night. It'll interfere with your deep sleep, and it's in your deep sleep that you get all of your physical repair. Oh, so wow. Yeah, that's really GABA. something. That's probably why when I drink too much, then it's like, you know, you're waking up in the morning and, you know, beyond the hangover, you just can't get, you can't sleep, you know, and it's just, uh, why is the room spinning? But um, the uh, okay. So, are you guys uh, vegetarians, vegans? Like, so when you mentioned diet, um, uh, and then I'm assuming diet's a key aspect in sort of how you approach life. Like, what is your what, what is your particular path there? 
Um, well, I've explored, you know, like I always use myself as a guinea pig and I certainly um, don't think everyone is the same as me. Like when I'm working with a, a client, like I, am, I I like to identify what's necessary for that person. So I've tried lots of things for myself, but the best thing for me is a balanced diet where I have a little bit of red meat. I, I don't eat a lot of it. I literally try to eat it okay. um, because of, yeah. And I, it's not that I don't enjoy it. I do. It's my go-to was fish and poultry and obviously lots of vegetables. Mm. Um, I, I try and have more complex carbohydrates, but I don't do very well on a, a lot of carbs, but I get a lot of my carbohydrates from vegetables. So I, I'm constantly, whether it's breakfast, lunch or dinner, any meal that I'll eat, I'll make sure that I've got all the colors of the rainbow because it's the colors, the pigment of the food that has different types of antioxidants in it. And you absolutely need antioxidants to protect your body from all of the changes that's happened in the modern world. I mean, let's face it, 20 years ago when I studied naturopathy, it's very different. Now, I used to tell people to eat lots of fruits and vegetables 20 years ago, whereas now I'm saying to people, try and go for organic or try and get, you know, as fresh as possible because the amount of chemicals that we're now exposed to, you really want to go hunting for real food. So I'll look for real food, get as much um, color as possible, get lots of vegetables, um, and then I'll have a little bit of red meat, fish, poultry. It's quite a balanced diet. Um, I don't really have a lot of um, legumes they don't do so well with me but they're really really good for you so I'll continually try and build up my gut bacteria so I can accommodate and I can digest them but you'd need lots and lots of fiber um, and all of these different phytonutrients in order for you to have that really good gut bacteria to produce serotonin and also GABA and um, dopamine which is really important for um, motivation purpose and drive so Gut bacteria is really, really important. So that's my diet. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I tend to lean into. Okay. That's for me, yeah, for me, it's um, JT, um, a Mediterranean diet, obviously. Mm -hmm. I mean, we were raised with, um, you know, red meat twice a week, uh, fish twice a week, and legumes as your main meals uh, three times a week. So we would have lentils, chickpeas, and, and whatnot, and then obviously um, lots of uh, lots of different salads. So you're mixing, you know, celery, cucumber, tomatoes with lettuce, and different different uh, different types of lettuce as well. So bitter, as well as sweet, cause lettuce and things like that. Okay. Uh, lots of olive oil, um, lots and lots of olive oil, lots of chili, lots of garlic. Um, yeah, and, and to this day, I'm in my 50s. Uh, I, I have this, yeah, very similar, yeah, very similar diet. Well, and it's funny because growing up in the United States, you know, there was always the thing about like, oh, and the people who live in the villages of Italy that don't deal with eat any processed foods at all, they all live to be 110 years old. And, you know, yeah. it's a bit, you know, obviously exaggerated, but there's a lot of truth to that. And uh, and I find yeah. that to be the biggest challenge. I mean, I think a pescatarian diet obviously is, is great. You know, I think if um, ultimately the more vegetables, the more fresh, healthy, real food, you know, just trying to keep myself, my family, my kids from eating, um, you know, as much processed stuff as, you know, we can avoid the better because it's yeah. just, 
you know, and you try to balance that convenience and the, the hectic lifestyle with trying to fit in those types of, you know, and also the cost, right? The cost of some yeah. of the stuff to eat healthy is challenging, right. but, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's really, I think, I, think, I think too, JT's one thing that, um, Donna and I really focus on, which is very Mediterranean, is eating by the season. Mm. The The challenge in America and Australia is that you can get, you know, a particular type of fruit all year round. I mean, we've got great import abilities to bring in any food that we want. Um, and so sometimes we're eating certain fruits and veggies that are not in season, but we eat them anyway. Um, you know, if you go back to Europe, you, you'll travel. I mean, we 2018 we were going through Italy, and when we were asking for certain fruits, the, the, the answer was still the same: it's uh, it's not in season. So they just yeah. didn't give it to you. That's they never bought it. Uh, they didn't under, even understand why you asked for it. So you could still travel Europe today in 2023 and and they'll they'll say to you no sorry that's not in season so you yeah, don't need okay. it yeah that's interesting and uh yeah no i mean and, and some of this stuff just seems so intuitive and we've gotten so far away from some of this and uh mm. you know and uh again it is a balance of convenience and cost and access and other things and uh but um yeah, I just love the just the concept of just eating healthy, real food. It just doesn't. It just yeah. it just it feels good just thinking about it. So anyway, yeah. um, so so no, so I, I the way that sorry, Jen, I, I know I could be a little funny way, um, <laughs> but uh, well, did you want to say something? I'm sorry, I don't, I don't want to monopolize this. Keep going, keep going. I'm just, but I I am gonna start to move this along. Nope, I got it. So on the the sleep piece, then <laughs> let's talk really quickly because I know. Then what are your rules as far as eating before bed, uh, tech before bed, exercising earlier or later in the day? I mean, what are like you know those are three of the things that you know, uh, and the caffeine intake. Like when do you cut off the coffee? I'm literally drinking a Celsius. It's five o'clock in the afternoon my time, and even that alone is probably terrible. You're like you know I should probably be drinking just black coffee. You know, grown from no, you shouldn't actually. <laughs> No, I guess I mean from time like a timing standpoint, I think I'm probably too late in the day. Yeah, you, like, you're gonna probably you're probably gonna get shocked by what she tells you right now. <laughs> okay, well then let's go. <laughs> well, another one of those board members um, I mentioned earlier is called adenosine, uh-huh. um, and the, uh, the the reason I'm bringing up adenosine is because it directly links to the caffeine, to the answer to the caffeine. So when you wake up in the morning, you've literally got no adenosine and it builds up during the day so as it builds up during the day you start to get drowsy and that feeling of wanting to go to sleep Um, and that's because it activates the parasympathetic nervous system which we all know the sympathetic nervous system is that stress response and when you go 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 you need those breaks so you need that GABA and you need that adenosine to build up so when you um, have caffeine it's adenosine um, it's an adenosine Um, receptor blocker meaning that it doesn't build up anymore it literally you literally have to go back to start starting again so it takes about eight hours to get that adenosine um, that adenosine to build up in the body so I recommend that you wouldn't be having caffeine like you could probably go decaf um, even though decaf has a little bit of caffeine still in it as green tea does or any sort of tea but you want to try and have your caffeine before 11 o'clock in the morning. That way it builds wow. up for at least eight hours. Okay. Um, and that way you get to sleep. So 
So my you APM my APM coffees and espressos and cappuccinos are bad look then I guess. Okay. Okay. Want, fine. Fine. <laughs> you wake up in the morning with more energy. Um, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I did. JT's, JT's there smashing a prime at like 9 p.m. at night. <laughs> I am. I'm like, you know, hey, Logan Paul said this is the way to do it. He said 8 p.m. drink your prime energy. It's 200 milligrams of caffeine. Let's go. Um, oh. <laughs> no, no, that's oh. the thing with these. The pro- you talk about the process stuff and these drinks like Red Bulls and all that kind of stuff. That's literally, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. So okay, so all right, so caffeine. 11 a.m. is the cutoff. What about eating in general before bed? Um, it's recommended not to go to bed on a full stomach because you have to digest all of that food. So you want to be eating at least two to three hours before you go to bed at night and you want your lightest meal to be at the end of the day. Um, and bec- like I mentioned, insulin. Insulin is what balances your blood sugar levels. Um, so if you've got low blood sugar levels, so when I talk about your evening meal, it needs to be balanced with carbohydrates, proteins, and fat. A small meal, but you still need to have those macronutrients because if you were just to have, say, sugar, your blood sugar levels will go up. It'll give you a hit of energy, but then they'll plummet. And when they plummet, it's a danger zone. So it'll wake you up. So it'll interfere with your sleep. So your evening meal, keep it light, have a balance of carbs, proteins, and fat because that protein and fat added to the carbohydrate means that your blood sugar levels will be balanced, your insulin levels will be balanced through the night, and you'll have a good night's sleep. Okay. And then two more questions, exercise. Okay. So <laughs> work out in the morning versus the evening for, to, to get good sleep, or what is there afternoon? What's, what's, your, what's your take there? <laughs> Um, I just think exercising at any time of the day because um, you just need to be moving. But the research, and you'll find that as people get older, they'll really need to lean into having more of their exercise earlier in the day than in the evening because, again, it's a stimulant. And mm. I guess it depends on the type of exercise. So I guess when I hear the word exercise, I think of that vigorous, hard type of exercise. You want to be doing that in the morning. Mm-hmm. But um, in the evening, if it unwinds you, like you need a circuit breaker from work to home, like if you're still carrying work in your mind and you've got this full head, you've got no headspace, there's nothing better than getting that adrenaline out of the body through just going for a walk or doing some yoga. But again, more of the calming um you know, things that activate the parasympathetic nervous system, the calming types of exercises um, to wind you down is what I'd recommend in the evening. Okay. It's actually a great segue, JT, because the next topic that I wanted to talk about. Um, <laughs> hey, I know. I told well, you, I'm, just I'm, get me in line. It's all good. I'm not, I, I will not take it personal. No, it's all really good. Like I love all of this stuff, but I'm just kind of like, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't know how we're going to cover everything. Um, and we may not get to, but we'll cover as much as we can. Um, so movement, movement for people in tech is like a big, big issue. And like, it's something that Donna will say to me, well, have you gone outside yet? Have you gone outside today? Like if I'm talking to her and I'm like, oh, I just feel crap today or whatever. <laughs> She's like, have you gone outside? Go sit outside, go in the sun, ground yourself, take your shoes off, um, move around. Did you go for your, like, have you done any, any exercise today? Like, what are you doing? So I think like um, in terms of for people in tech, if you could like touch on um, like sitting and posture 
and the importance of like how often should we be getting up from our laptops and computers? I'll just quickly add, well, I'll add something and then I'll let Donna speak. The question we always get asked is, how long do you exercise for or how long do you meditate for? Um, um, you know, what type of foods do you eat? I think it's really important for your listeners to understand that. Find out how much do you move right now? So what do you eat right now? So JT spoke about that he has a particular drink of an afternoon. Um, and rather than we wouldn't come along and take that drink off him, we would be more inclined to say, uh, how much water are you drinking? And, you know, JT's answer may be, well, of an afternoon I only have these particular drinks. So we'd say, okay, well, add a glass of water. How much movement do you have? Well, when I get caught up, uh, Jen, when you get caught up on the computer, you may not move for, you know, six to eight hours. So we may say to you, okay, well, just stand for a minute and then sit back down and then continue. What that tends to do is it's it's a goal that's uh, very simple to include into your daily life. It's attainable. So you're not you're not you're not com- we're not coming along and, and taking something from you. We're, we're more adding things into your life rather than taking something out of your life. And then little bit by little bit, as you're feeling a little bit better, you'll start doing more and more of that. So that, that's really important. When it comes to health and wellness, it's more the assessment for how healthy and well do I feel right now? So what, what's my marker? And then from there, you would then slowly add. So uh, JT eventually only has half of that can of drink and then eventually just doesn't feel like having that drink. You know, you'll, you'll be drinking more water. Um, that, that type well, I of definitely thing. want to and drink water with... now, you know, like I'm, I'm like <laughs> yeah. thirstier than I've ever been now. I'm like looking around, I'm like, yeah, water somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's um, health, believe it or not, wellness is, is addictive. Um, the better you feel, the more you want to do that. And if the goal setting is, is attainable and it's, and it's quite small, uh, with professionals, we get people that sit in an office all day and, you know, they've got a small alarm clock and every 55 minutes they stand up. They'll keep working on their computer for one minute and then they sit back down and they continue. Now, before you know it, the habit becomes that they just stand up and now they've got a standing desk and they'll just work away on their standing desk. And these are, you know, men and women that have been in the office for many, many years, you know, 20 plus years. They start creating that habit just simply because it, they, they see the benefit both mentally and physically. So, sorry, Donna, I'll leave it to you. No, 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 not at all. Um, 
I mean, we just need to move in order for us to have the most performance in our day. So we have that mental cognition. We literally need to have a tunnel vision focus for, say, 90 minutes. That's what the research says, um, where we're on our computers. We do, we get into a flow state and then we get up and we need to move. Um, and you need light exposure. So I think how, how I try and structure my day and what I try and encourage other people to do is as a as a goal to get two hours of light exposure. So if that means getting up and going for a walk in the morning, which is ideal because you get that hit of serotonin, um, you get your step count in, you feel motivated for the day, come back and have some breakfast, get a 90-minute flow state of, um, you know, peak work. And then you, you need literally about 20 to 30 minutes as a break to relax your brain. So you literally need to go back outside, get natural light. That might be another 20 minutes of natural light. Move around, um, do some stretches, let your brain relax so it's getting out of work mode. So you don't go from work mode back into texting or looking into computers. You literally want to step away from the screen, not have your eyes go into narrow spaces but you want to look out into the horizon, get that light exposure. So you're producing that melatonin. So with exercise um, you, or as a daily schedule, I would be trying to have a 90-minute um, flow state and then getting up and going outside, relaxing your eyes, moving, and then getting back into a 90-minute flow state. And so you might have four flow, 90-minute flow states throughout the day and then you'll exercise in the morning have your breaks in between your flow state and then go and do some light exercise in the afternoon. But you literally don't want to be sitting all day. It's so incredibly dangerous for your pelvic floor. Like we've switched off our pelvic floors. Um, and like it's interesting because whenever I say pelvic floor, I do a pelvic floor. I don't know about you, do you? <laughs> like um, you want to be doing pelvic floor exercises. Like if you think about most of the world that aren't Western, they're still getting down into, they call it the Asian squat. Like we were naturally, and as children or as babies, we're in that natural squatting position. Women gave birth like that for years. A lot of people still go to the toilet like that. And when you're in that position, you activate your pelvic floor and that strengthens your lower back. It um, it, it improves how you digest and how you urinate and how all of your lower organs work. Well, when you say that, so are you talking about like sitting like Indian style? Is that what you're talking about? Or are you talking about something like? Yeah, that's uh, okay. it. We refer to that in the States as crisscross applesauce, you know? And oh, uh, okay. no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, that's what they say to the little kids when the, like, that's how they tell them, you know, but it's, it's sitting oh, Indian yes. style. And wow. uh, yeah, but it's interesting. I mean, you think culturally too, you know, some things that are that sort of nuanced about just, you know, posture and things. And, and of course, you know, and with the way that I overthink, or you know, the minute you start talking about posture, I'm immediately like, oh, I gotta, I gotta, you know, like get up straight because otherwise I'm normally yeah. like hunched over, like you know, like Quasimodo. The um, uh, what was I gonna say? You I know, I think that I think. Oh, sorry, you go, JT. No, no. The only other thing I was gonna say is, you know, I, I think that's one un sort of uh, that's a downside of remote work that was a little bit overlooked was just how. Uh, Going in and out of the office, you know, when we went home for COVID, um, the one thing I realized is even though I was exercising even a bit more and more consistently because I had a little bit more access just to go outside and run or walk or what have you, uh, if I wasn't doing that, like I was definitely even with a little bit more exercise, I was still putting on weight, I think, because 
how many steps would I would otherwise take during the day up a flight of steps down, you know, going outside of the office, going to this meeting, going to that thing, like yeah. versus just literally just being attached and strapped into that chair. Um, so I think that, you know, it's under, it's an underrated aspect, I think of, of, um, you know, and a negative in a, in a way. I mean, there were a lot of positives to, to remote work. I mean, you know, we can get into that whole argument about whatever, but, but I think that's one thing that people don't realize is how much you don't move if you are just home all day working, you know? Mm. So, yeah, that incidental movement, you'll find, um, it, I think they did a study many years ago that when the remote control came in for the television and they found that, uh, people stop moving x amount of kilometers per year just the fact that you had to get up and change a channel and then sit back down oh, yeah. and get up and change a channel and sit back down when they removed that and now you had a remote control all of a sudden it yeah they calculated it was i don't know some ridiculous amount of kilometers that you would do every year just by moving back and forth and you imagine how many yeah. times you change a channel right with that remote control uh-huh. Imagine if you didn't have that remote control, you'd literally be getting up and changing things constantly. And that that's a, it's the power of that incidental movement, like you say, yeah. when you have to go to the office. So you're walking up, yeah. you know, uh, get to the office and then go to the bathroom. It's, when you're at home, you tend to, yeah, you tend to push just, out six, just, seven, eight hours plus. And you just sit. Yeah, it's I mean. so true, yeah. My kids are like, what was it like when you didn't have the remote? You know, it's like, well, it was pretty tough. You know, we're walking uphill both ways to school, seven miles in the snow. And, you know, it was like that kind of thing. But but it is interesting. I mean, and, and these are anything over time, right? It's the same thing around compounding interest and things. Like you realize like the impact yeah. that that stuff has if you have enough time. Um, how mm. meaningful those kinds of things are. So, yeah. One, one of my biggest tips for people would be um, whenever I take a phone call and I spend a lot of time on my phone, as actually all of you know, because I talk to a lot of you on the phone. Um, <laughs> so, like, but when I'm when I'm on the phone, and most of you know this as well, I'm walking. Like I'm up, I'm walking. I don't sit down and take phone calls. So that's my number one tip. And like I said, like if I have long phone calls, like particularly with Donna or closer friends, like I'll be walking around for two, three hours and I've already done my steps for the day just from that phone call. And it's kind of intentional slash incidental because I'm I'm intentionally doing it, but what else am I going to be doing? Just sitting down. Um, And the other tip that I would say to people is back to what Donna said about, um, getting up and in the morning doing something active. Um, And I think anyone who follows me on Twitter knows that because I just beach spam them constantly. Um, But that's also, I'm not a huge fan of social media, but that does keep me a little bit accountable in that when I'm posting a picture of the beach, when I'm down there and it's at sunrise, it's because I'm down there and I'm doing it. And so it's more so for me to put that up there, it's that accountability that I'm like, yeah, I did that. Like I can look back and be like, yep, I, I'm doing what I need to do in these moments. Um, so those are just a couple of little things that I do yeah. <laughs> that might help. It needs to people. be a lot more meetings where it's the walk and talk. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like being chained to the desk is very, very unhealthy. Um, like the Australian um, the, the Australian government 
here, I don't know what it's like in the States there, but recommends that, you know, pretty much adults from 18 all the way up to 64 years of age, they need to be exercising for at least 30 to 60 minutes a day, five days per week. And two of those days needs to be resistance training. And if you don't do that, you've got higher um, chance of getting, you know, heart disease um, and, you know, high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes. So um, that would be what I would be recommending for everyone, like look at your calendar and go, where can I, like always think of that light exposure because that's going to help with serotonin to make melatonin. Obviously it also, um, what I haven't mentioned is when you build up melatonin in your body, um, you can you can build it up cellularly. So um, every single cell of your body has a mitochondria and that mitochondria is where we get our energy production from. And light exposure builds up systemic a melatonin intracellularly and that melatonin is a really important it's the number one antioxidant that protects our body from oxidative damage from emfs and things like that so um so i'd be getting that light exposure but then there's also exercise so five days a week between 30 minutes to 60 minutes um to pr- offset all of those you know um diseases that we're all exposed to if you if you just don't move and the statistics are 50% of adults aren't doing it. So it's diabolical. And um, we, technology is amazing. I love technology. Um, and it is a superpower if you know how to use it. But you're not going to be super powerful if you lose your health because health is your wealth. And we've become more lazy. Um, and it's meant to give us the flexibility. Technology is meant to give us the flexibility where we can get out there and and be superhuman and have all of our faculties together not where we become lazy and we're chained to a desk it is it's the opposite so yeah and you know but i will say one thing i'm just playing devil's advocate a little bit about technology and some of the things is that i do think that social media i mean there's a lot of negatives but you know one of the positives it, it forces people to see the way other people are sort of living their habits and you know and i do think that you know, people are more cognizant than ever about call it the need to be healthy and exercise and take care of themselves and how they look. You know, this thing about image and you know you how, you know all of that stuff it can be toxic and can be negative. But I do think it's forcing people to at least try to now to the extent that they're not saying, oh, let me go get Ozempic or something as a shortcut to just be skinnier. But, you know, to develop healthier habits like getting in the gym, working out. And, you know, I see it even with younger kids now. Um, you know, when I was 13, I have young, pretty young kids that are 13 and 11. And, uh, you know, and they're like, you know, they do a lot of the sports stuff and they're doing now doing training and, you know, and a lot more exercise mm-hmm. and things. And some of their friends in and around that same age, especially as these kids are starting to hit puberty and I have two boys and, you know, and that kind of thing. Um Whereas when I was a kid, I wasn't doing any of that kind of stuff. Now, we were also doing a lot more sort of call it organic, like just running out in the neighborhood and we'd be climbing trees and playing in the woods and doing stuff that's like, you know, a lot more less structured, you know, more natural, just, you know, sort of living and playing. But kids today, young people today, professionals today are more cognizant than ever about, you know, the need to kind of have your, you know, to have your shit together, you know. And I think that's an interesting yeah. uh, positive byproduct of all of it. Yeah, and and especially like yeah, social media. You know, JT, I've spoken to you about this. Like, it's not my favorite thing for a number of reasons, but um, 
like I will say, like connection's really important. And we will get into some of this like mindfulness stuff with with Marcello. And like the biggest thing for social media, I think that people need to learn is like, um, you know, what you consume consumes you. So you actually have a choice as to like what content you're consuming, who you're following, like, and that's really important. Like that's really important for me for social media. But before we get into that, I just want to cover a couple more like physical health topics with Donna. Um, And we're going to have to like really be high level about this because of time. Um, Two things that I find really interesting is that when you're on devices, um, one, um, people don't blink a lot and two, people hold their breath (laughs) when they're on computers um, or texting and emailing. So I find those two things really interesting and I think probably quite serious for physical health um, if we're not like mindful of those and and make some like actual um, choices to improve that. Um, Well, when it comes to blinking, it basically just means that your eyes are tired. (laughs) Um, So your visual system is directly linked to your brain um your eyes are your brain popping out of your skull so that's how close your your visual system is to your cognition so when you start blinking it literally just means that your brain is tired and you're not going to um, be able to concentrate for much longer your learning diminishes and you're just not going to absorb any more information um and this is when you know in order for you to look after your eyes we need to be very mindful that your eyes can, or your visual system, again, can only handle so much. Um, and that's why people start getting headaches. Um, and the fact that they hold their breath um, means their shoulders are tight. Um, holding your breath is a stress response. So you're going into an adrenaline state. So you've got this excessive adrenaline, which is going to cause a, a lot of aches and pains in your body. And eventually your cortisol levels will go up. And as we know, that will dysregulate your your sleep cycle. So the mindfulness part is, okay, I'm holding my breath and um, focus on your breathing. Nasal breathing is is the best type of breathing. Um, Most people that are holding their breath are are mouth breathers. And the reason why they're um, breathing through their mouths is because their posture has um, gone. So if you you know when you get the round shoulders and your head goes out, um, you'll literally (laughs) Not me. It's not a good look. (laughs) (laughs) As soon as that happens and your head goes out, it's hard to breathe through your nose. Like if you try to breathe through your nose, and breathing through your nose is a diaphragmatic breath, which is the best way to oxygenate your body. Um, So you literally have to pull your head in and sit up on your sitting bones in order for you to be able to breathe um, diaphragmatically and in and out through your nose. So that's one of the main reasons that people do hold their breath is it's it's a posture thing. So if you become mindful that your postures change and you'll start to feel headachey, your eyes will you'll start blinking because your 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 brain's tired. It literally means get up, do some yoga. I always encourage people to go on the floor. I don't say go and do a yoga class or anything, but just get down on the floor. Even laying flat on your back, you just literally you begin to feel that your backbones just go crack, just crack back into place because you've 
become like that. So just laying flat on your back, put like a book behind your head just to align your chin into the proper position. Um, Do some basic stretches just to get that synovial fluid through your joints and get back um, and sit sit back down or or go to a standing station Um, and then be more aligned with your posture, keeping your chin in and diaphragmatically breathing. They say that when you diaphragmatically breathe, that's when, um, or if you're feeling stressed because you've been holding on to your breath, you want to lengthen your exhalation. And as you lengthen the exhalation, again, through your nose, you'll stimulate that GABA response, which is your brakes, which will get you out of that stress response. And you want to be out of that stress response because you get more creativity um, when you're not under extreme amounts of stress you're in that get more into that flow state and that more productive work when you're able to um yeah breathe so hopefully that answers your question jen yes yes breathing is important everyone breathing is important (laughs) ideally through your nose not through your mouth and um yeah posture helps you to do that well and it's funny because when i well not funny but when i went to one of my first retreats i basically had to relearn how to breathe properly and I know that sounds may sound strange to some people but I'm a shallow breather so I breathe up here um and learning how to breathe like right down into my diaphragm um and going and doing some like lessons and working with some people to do that has been amazing because you know they say I don't know. I've been told, and I may, I may have this wrong, but it like re- can reset the nervous system. Um, yeah. If, if you're yeah. in a particular stress state or whatever. Um, yeah. Jen, Jen, we, we, one of the first assessments that we ask from people is um, <clears throat> to take a deep breath. If your listeners stood in front of a mirror and just, just took a, a deep breath. One of the things they may notice is they automatically rise through their chest. So they'll might do that, that sort of thing. And then straight away, we, you'll be able to say to them, well, you're not diaphragmatically breathing. Your, your belly actually hasn't extended your, your, your shallow breathing. And that's, that's a telltale sign. So it, and it's a very simple task. It's like, okay, take a deep breath and, and everybody is just, most people, so, uh, you know, in our experience, at least eight out of ten people will take a deep breath this way <laughs> and, and and try and expand up. Um, and then straight away you'll say to them, you tend to breathe shallow. Uh, you know, from playing sports, as both Donna and I have, um, regardless of, of whatever level, it wasn't until we started studying Qigong, the practice of breath work, um and Tai Chi Chuan and Zen meditation. Only then did we realize how poorly we were breathing. And you know, I, I boxed for many years competitive. Uh breath is very important in boxing. Um that we've done strength training for almost 30 years. It, it really wasn't until we started doing the practice of, of these uh ancient practices did we realize that yeah, we just uh, we didn't breathe the way we should be breathing. So That's it's not just you. It's yeah, it's wild. 
Um, <laughs> if, you go, if you go into any sporting institution and you get and and you'll watch young people, you know, training. I'm sure JT same with your kids. Uh, when we start with kids, the first thing we do is teach them how to breathe. And if you look at when um, you know kids lose their cool, so to speak, they get very frustrated. So, you know, whether it's in a sportive, competitive, or or, or at home. Um, if you just would get them to just pause and do a breath work, even just for a couple of minutes, it's like uh, I know when we were raising our daughter and she would get quite frustrated, we would just say to her, how about you do this? How about you do some breathing and then come back and tell us exactly what's on your mind? And she would always come back just a, a different person, just yeah. that state of mind, that clarity, that ability to tell you exactly what was happening to her, and she nailed it every time. And I'm talking not when she was 15, and I, I'm talking the, the the first time we noticed that she was almost four years old. And I remember she got so angry and, and just went to yell, and we just said to her, well, we want to listen to everything you've got to say, if you can just do your breathing exercises first. <laughs> and Jen, she came, oh, oh, she came back as it was, she spoke as an adult. Uh, yeah, she could articulate herself. Yeah. She was yeah. calm and clear. Yeah. And, and that's it. like as a, as a chronic asthmatic, this, this was my biggest thing. I was a, I was a mouth breather. <clears throat> um, but people that suffer from anxiety, they're mouth breathers and the amount of anxiety that's happening. There's not many people that I meet that don't suffer from anxiety um, and they haven't learned how to breathe properly. Like when you breathe through your mouth, you, 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 you activate the sympathetic nervous system, which is your fight, flight, freeze response. You go into a stress um, state and you, you literally shut down parts of your brain um, and you just can't be productive when you're in a stress state. So by you just noticing and being mindful that oh, I'm holding my breath and I'm going into that head spin or that anxiety state, you you just breathe through your nose, um, do long, slow inhalations through your nose and exhalations through your nose with good posture. And within a minute is the fastest way to regulate your, your, um, your nervous system. You literally go out of your sympathetic nervous system into your parasympathetic nervous system. And then within a minute, You've got a completely different state of mind um, and your body begins to heal and you begin to think clearly. And that's literally what was happening with, with our daughter when she was in that overwhelmed state. Just went away, did her breathing for one minute, came back a completely different with a completely different mind. And the fastest way to do that is not taking a, a drug. It is breath work and it's that simple. And I think that can definitely be applied in the workplace or in in your home office, like whatever you're doing, like I know that there are, I, I do it every single day. Um, even I, I'll get an email and I'll be like, "All right, time to go over here and <laughs> take a few breaths." Yeah. Um, and also, also, I guess it's official, Drew, uh, um, JT, that we, we will be um, getting Drew to do a breathwork course. Yeah, um, so I'm sure he'll be, you know, he'll be lining right up for that. Um, although a lot of this stuff is actually, you know, you know, we joke around, you know, 
the, as serious I as I know. I'm is. joking. I'm joking. No, but even like, you know, from a diet, like, you know, they're, they're borderline vegan. I mean, they're, you know, yeah. kind of on top of a lot of yeah. that stuff already. No, and, he's uh, into all this stuff. We've had, we've had lots of chats about all like these topics and yeah. stuff. Like I know that he's really into it. But so I like the idea of the breath work I- to calm him down. That's like, that might become my thing. I'll use that with my kids, my wife and with Drew. I'll be set, you know, so. Yeah. And myself, yeah, exactly. right? Um, yeah, but remember, remember that GABA too, which is from yeah. gut bacteria having a healthy diet. Mm-hmm. Um, GABA is your natural. An- I didn't say this before, but GABA is your natural anti-anxiety. It is oh, a neurotransmitter okay. that we make that we need in order to go to sleep. It's the breaks. You make that in your gut from having a healthy diet, loads of vegetables. Yeah, um, but you also yeah. need good protein in order to, um, to make the neurotransmitters as well. Excellent. Media Options is the industry's leading domain broker specializing in domain acquisitions, high-value domain sales, and domain name consultation. As pioneers and thought leaders on the subject of the domain aftermarket and domain name value, plus through their clear domain acquisition service, Media Options offers startups and established corporations an unparalleled scope of high-value domain options, providing access to domain names and curation technologies not available elsewhere. Media Options believes in the power of a great domain name and is dedicated to helping you obtain your Call or email today to put a domain to work for you. Well, this has all been amazing because we've covered like sleep, nutrition, eye health, breath work. Um, But what I really want to dive into before we run out of time is the mindfulness stuff with the master of minds um, because <laughs> this guy yeah, no. we said it yes. we said it in the aka so you know no, uh, is, legit, you know yeah, uh, so i think this is the stuff that um a lot of the people in our industry like um may find like really beneficial and interesting um because a lot of us work solo so you're stuck with most of your thoughts most of the day, like sitting in front of a computer. Um, mm. And a lot of the people in our industry, particularly within our circle, JT, are very successful people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just really interested in like how it may resonate with them to learn a bit more about mindfulness, mindset, mental performance, how they can integrate that into their businesses or their daily lives. Um, so, yeah, go. <laughs> um, all right. So <laughs> I think the first thing you want to ask yourself is um, are you rich or are you wealthy and what the two have in common and what they are different in? There are a lot of uh, rich people. We've been very fortunate to look after people that have been very successful um, in in business. Uh, they've made a lot of money over their period of time. But as mentioned, what I started noticing very early on in the piece uh, on this health journey is that there wasn't a lot of wealthy people that we met. And what I mean by that is... They didn't have a, 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 a balance, a broad spectrum of wealth through every aspect of their life. So they may have uh, been successful in their professional life. Um, and we, we, we named it hero to zero. So, you know, there's some CEO of some company or, or, um, you know, top of their class in, 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 you know, in some sporting event. 
But then when they go into their personal life, um, they drop straight down to zero. So they um, are not good communicators. They find themselves that they're not comfortable, even in their in their home life. Uh, they, they may struggle raising their children. They may struggle in their personal relationship or friendships. Um, and so that, that really stood out to us a lot on on how can you be, you know, such a champion in one aspect, but be really neglectful um, or struggle uh, in many aspects, other aspects of your life, whether it becomes exercise or nutrition or, or, or as I say, uh, personal relationships. And so when we started looking into what wealth actually meant and, and, and you know, my personal uh, journey in, in watching my mum when her mind actually started attacking her um, and, and what, I guess, the medical industry, how they looked after at that, at that time uh, through medication and institution, it sort of led me to want to find out more about how do we cultivate wealth within our mental state and so first you have to understand the difference between brain function and cultivation of mind itself so when we talk about um say consumerism imagine if you ate mcdonald's or kentucky fried chicken and you had that breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day, seven days a week for years on end. Well, you've already had shows um, where, you know, gentlemen have gone off and they've had Macca's breakfast, lunch, and dinner for a month mm-hmm. or three months and whatnot. And then they take their health, uh, you know, blood pressure and, and whatnot, and they find, you know, they put on X amount of weight and, you know, like their health just really deteriorated very quickly. Yeah, that's a supersize me. Is the uh... supersize? Right. Sorry, McDonald's. Oh. Sorry, McDonald's to bring that up again. No, you know, really okay. for, for what it's worth, it's uh, when I watched that that movie. It actually made me want to go get McDonald's, even though it was like yeah. as he's getting his blood work done. I'm like, <laughs> I I just want to I want to eat a Big Mac so bad, even though as oh, he's no. going yeah. back for his blood work, it's getting like progressively worse. But yeah. uh, but, but okay, <laughs> go ahead. How good are the fries at Macca's? But uh, so, you know, when, when you talk about that, this consumption, this overconsumption of a particular type of food, you realize, okay, physically it's it's not, not good for you. Well, what people don't realize is how much your brain actually consumes um, passively and, and actively. So passively... There's hundreds of thousands of bits of information that enter your brain per second um, without you even realizing it. And so without you realizing it, it starts creating a mental attitude. So you look at, you start looking at things uh, more, I won't say negatively, but you do start looking at things as you process information of how can this hurt me? 
And this is a, uh, a primal state of your mind. Look at when you first walk into a room that you don't know a lot of people. Your mind automatically goes into a state of safe or not safe. You will look at who do I know in this room and you'll gravitate to that person um, or you'll gravitate to alcohol. I'm going to have a drink because I, I, I need to um, calm myself. You're, you're feeling anxious. Uh, in sporting events, watch, watch uh, when you get to a, a big sporting event, whether you're playing the sport or you're actually watching the sport, watch your anxiety levels start to increase. So you automatically go into either food or alcohol and whatnot, or as a team, you, you, you're really relying on your teammates to try and maintain this, um, this level of, of anxiousness or excitement or adrenaline that's happening. So all these things are happening to you actively or even passively. So mindfulness starts teaching you to become aware of what are the things that I'm thinking about on a daily basis. Now, my background is martial arts. So I've studied five different forms of martial arts, uh, Western boxing, for many years. And when I started doing this training, I realized that my mind was continually uh, processing information of fighting, you know, so just if this person was to do this, I would do this. If this person attacked me this way, I would do it this way. Uh, not to sit in this position because you're more vulnerable for a surprise attack. This is your mind's continually repeating the same thing. So when I started thinking about that, I realized, man, I, I you know, I just, I met my wife, um, we had a little girl and I started reacting to things uh, rather than a two out of 10. My reaction was a seven out of 10 or an eight out of 10. Uh, so I, I had an overreaction to things that, ordinarily most people wouldn't even be thinking about right and that that's really was i guess for me the first state of okay if my mind is processing information without me realizing it and if i'm creating this thought process without me really being cognitive of it that means i'm actually not in charge of this ship that I'm steering. I'm just being reactive, dependent on my external world. Yeah. That really blew me away. When I first get people to uh, start mindfulness, I get them to just keep a diary, just a daily ledger. Um, and it doesn't have to be elaborate. You can literally just at the end of each day or at the end of the week, you can turn around and say, oh, I woke up this morning, I was feeling down and um, went through the day, had some great conversations. What you will notice every week is that you will actually have a, a set pattern, a set way of thinking, a set way of uh, seeing the world through your understanding of what the world is happening and I often say to clients, um, is what I'm seeing what's actually happening or is it just how I'm interpreting it? 
And that's really the power of mindfulness is if Donna and I are watching a sunrise and I'm indifferent or I'm deep in thought in something else or um, I don't get the same joy or excitement than Donna does about the sunrise, then did her and I see the same sunrise? Same with a movie. You and I may be watching the same movie. I get a completely ta a different take from that movie than what you would. So who's going to be right about that movie, you or I? That's yeah, what but, really interested but, me. But Barbie was really good, Marcello. I'm just going to say, like, <laughs> I know, I Barbie was it. really good. <laughs> I've not, I've not seen but, it. I thought but, the new, uh, the new Mission Impossible was really good. I haven't seen the Oppenheimer movie yet, but the new Whatever. Mission Impossible was great. But I guess, like, is this where um the saying "perspective is subjective," like yeah. in terms of like it depends on the subject's perspective? But then I guess with mindfulness taking it to that next step, aren't you really in control of that perspective if you if you can harness mindfulness? Yeah, it's like, a, it's a great question. Because we look at um, we look at the ability of uh, initially a what what is it that I'm actually seeing is that now actually happening. So if this person's upset at me, is it because they just don't like me, or they're just upset? Like, mm, you know, yeah. from an action that I made committed. But also, we then move on to relative truth and ultimate truth. So what you call perspective. We look at um, if it's raining outside, straight away I think, oh, God, that's it. My day's finished. You know, it's raining. Uh, it's raining on me. But that's relative truth. So what is actually happening to me, right? And, and that's important. But ultimate truth is it's just raining. That's all it is. It didn't choose to rain because you decided to go for a jog this morning. It just it's raining, not, not just on you, but on hundreds of thousands of people. So get an umbrella, uh, jog inside, go to the gym instead, uh, get an Uber. You could do a myriad of other things limited by how quickly you gain perspective, how quickly you get out of the relative truth and going into an ultimate truth, a different viewpoint of what is actually happening. So what is, so, you know, so what are some of the tips and tricks to be able to gain that kind of perspective in the moment, right? Because literally before we got on the, the, the show today, I couldn't find my new glasses, which I wanted to wear because yeah. they're UV light blocking and everything. And I'm like, oh, this is perfect for today's show. I can't find them. I'm like, this yeah. is the worst. I'm having the worst day. Of course, this is happening. Yeah. This is yeah. happening to me and everything else exactly in line with what you said, which, you know, yeah. and I, you know, and my wife will say it to me or I'll say it to her. And in the moment it neither one of us are ever seem able to sway the other to say, look, keep it in yeah. perspective, right? Like it's so much <laughs> think about like you're making yeah. such a big deal about such a minor thing. Yeah. What is the, but how do you actually, you know, how do you, how okay. do you recenter at the time in, in the moment? All right. Breath. I, I know this is really simple, but breath, take notice that when you were this morning looking for your glasses, you were holding your breath. So the first would, thing yeah. first thing that we do is this long, slow, deep exhalation. When you do that, you'll notice how much 
breath you were actually holding on to. That will also force you to then take a slow, long, deep breath in. Now, if you did that, one breath, two breaths, three breaths, initially, and I'll say this to all your listeners, initially, there may not be a lot of change. You may turn around and still get annoyed and still frantically look for still those glasses. Still hate everybody. I still hate everybody. That's it. <laughs> but as time passes, and this is really important to, for all your listeners to understand, compounding is the eighth wonder of the world. Mm-hmm. When you first start your training, it will seem like nothing is happening. But as you build this habit of exhalation, the f- second thing we then move on to doing as we start inhaling and exhaling is we ask ourselves, what's the opportunity in this moment? So where is this opportunity in this moment? So for yourself, JT, you could quite easily have said, I'm just going to sit for a sec. I know on a subconscious level, I know where I've left those glasses. But consciously, when I'm frantic and I'm rushing around looking for those glasses, I'm never going to find them. How many times you've been in conversation and you couldn't think of someone's name or you couldn't think of a situation, but then when you walk away, uh, maybe 10 minutes, maybe an hour later, you go, ah, oh, that's, that's, that's the name of that guy. Let me text him. And that's because uh, uh, what we talk about is going from that sympathetic, that fight flight, to parasympathetic, that calm state where you can actually tap into every different part of your brain to source out the information that you were looking for. Yep. Um, for, you know, for, People who have certain jobs that uh, are high-performing jobs, so, you know, you run your own company or you're CEO, you're under that level of stress. Produce a podcast, right? That's it. You're producing podcasts. (laughs) You're looking for glasses. It really (laughs) – well, you know, JT, it's interesting you say perception is reality, right? So if you find – if your response starts becoming – stress that that is how i respond through stress then your perception of anything that you're going to do is stress sitting here in this podcast um if my relationship of public speaking uh caused me stress and anxiety then i would be um and i'm very mindful before i say this but i would be experiencing if in my understanding the same stress response that a firefighter uh, is experiencing when they're running into a burning building. Mm-hmm. And, and you'll find, um, especially today, where young people are, are on these you know, devices, when you see them experience stress and anxiety to them, they're experiencing the same effects as a firefighter or a police officer in a stressful situation or someone in the military, go, you know, going being deployed. The, the perception is your reality. Yeah. And mindfulness starts teaching you to create a different perception, to start looking at different opportunities of what you're actually interpreting, understanding that your interpretation is yours, 
and may be completely different to somebody else. The next thing we look at is also the habit of I'm speaking the truth. You will hear this the last couple of years um, I've noticed on uh, whether it's uh, whether it's uh, influencers, um, whether it's uh, scientists uh, through COVID, whether it's it doesn't matter. They'll they'll the people are very quick to say I'm speaking the truth. And in our training, we're like, "Well, man, that does that mean you're the arbiter of truth? Like, sure. the are. truth yeah. is the truth. Yeah. Okay, that's that's really bizarre to us. You can speak your understanding. You can speak what your version of what the truth is for yourself, but you can't really speak the truth and meaning." you're speaking for everybody across the board. Sure. And, and that's really another set of, of, uh, of habits of mindfulness is first we start journaling, look at patterns. We start looking at how we make everything about us, you know, how it's affecting us. Then we start learning to pause whenever we feel stressed or anxious. We start learning how to pause, so breathe long exhalations, long inhalations. Then we start creating the habit of what is the opportunity in this moment? Uh, um, I'll share something personal that just recently happened. So my father passed away last week, uh, Monday. And oh, I'm so sorry, man. Uh, that's okay. Thank you. Uh, and, uh, and, and I received the news at 10, 15 a.m. And I'm, I'm having a break. I have got half an hour break and I'm about to then, you know, ordinarily I'd see about 18 clients back to back through, through the day. And so I've got a half an hour break and then I'm going back to work and, and, and really, um, my client doesn't want to see or hear, uh, anything that's going on in my personal life, so to speak. It's really all about them. So when I sit, and look at what is the opportunity in this very same moment. Well, I can sit and process uh, all the fantastic things that I experienced, the things that I was very, very grateful for uh, of my father, but also also can experience uh, all the uh, conflict that him and I experienced together. And if I just sit and pause and allow that process to happen whilst I focus on my breath, You'd be amazed how much information your brain can actually process. Um, so, thirty minutes later, when I started work and I continued working client back to back, and you know, just focused just on them. Um, yeah, the, the the day flew. Uh, the, the the days have flown. It's given me um, a different perspective also on the relationship that uh, I got to have with him, and it meant that. I didn't have to cancel my days. I, I didn't have to um, uh, turn up to sessions and, and, and bring all my uh, drama and so forth all into baggage, into the yeah. situation. Yeah, all that baggage. I, I, and and this is comes down to the question: Where's the opportunity in this? What what can I gain from this moment? Just for this moment. 
Yeah. And, you know, and I think there's a lot, I mean, there's obviously a lot to unpack there. Um, I think the idea of perspective and how you can kind of slow down in the moment. I mean, it, it's really interesting. You make the point about how when we're feeling stressed about things that aren't really even that big of deals, but they're so important to us because we're so self-focused that, you know, you're feeling the same level of stress when you're looking for your glasses as, you know, a firefighter would going into a burning building. And then you really need to almost think about it in that way. I think that it's helpful to say to yourself, you know, am I literally saving children from a burning building right now? Because if I'm not, you know, yes, like, would you all be getting the benefit of looking at my brand new glasses and being like, man, that's amazing. <laughs> yes, 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 you would. Yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> but, you know, when you put it in perspective, and I think that when you look at some of the most high performing individuals, you realize too, what you notice about them. And, you know, at least, you know, just coming to mind, a few folks, Kobe Bryant, you know, some you know athletes and, you know, the Steve mm -hmm. Jobs. Yeah. You know, some world leaders, you know, that the ones that, are, you know, you might think are doing a good job or actually doing a good job, mm -hmm. right? We're not going to pick sides or anything today, but, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, you know, but you realize like, you know, I'm always amazed at how they perform under pressure, right? I think that's part yeah. of, you know, where you're talking about how you excel at how you are, you know, and I see it with my own kids and, you know, and, and, and it, it's a combination. What I, what I've seen is it's, it's the ability to, you know, sort of have that kind of perspective, Right. Some people are just sort of built that way, but not everyone is. And you yeah. have to learn these things. And, and for a lot That's of us, right. we do. I'm the opposite. I'm neurotic. I think overthink everything. I mean, I, and I'm a maximizer. Yes. So every decision that I make is, you know, I, tyranny of choice. I'm over like wrought with, you know, the indecision because I don't want to make the wrong choice or miss, you know, an opportunity and some of those things. But, you know, and I do think it's the ability for some of these folks who can be in the moment, um, slow things down you know, live with the, you know, Hey, that was the last moment. This is the next moment. I'm not going to dwell on the past and I'm just going to continue to, you know, just a quick shout out to my 13 year old who was playing in a basketball game about a week or two ago. Um, and, uh, you know, in a really tense environment, I mean, the, the air conditioning was broken. We're in a Florida gym. It's a literally a hundred degrees. He's got the opposing team's parents screaming at him. You know what I mean? It's like in these things. And I actually think this is where I really like youth sports for kids because our, our kids don't live the same kind of life that a lot of us did where we had certain, you know, things that we had to overcome. You know, they live these blessed, entitled lives. And I mean that in a positive way. But, yes. you know, but what adversity do they have to overcome? Like this actually gives them some actual challenges in life because the rest of their life is pretty, pretty easy. Um, but it's the preparation and the work that goes into it. And then it's also understanding that if you're putting in that kind of time and that effort and you've really doing your best, like it's going to be what it's going to be. I mean, there's certain things that you can control, certain things that you cannot. Um, and then when you're in that moment, just do your best to, you know, slow it down, you know, let your training and do what it does and make the best decision you can make in the moment and try not to dwell on, on the past, the mistakes and the things that you can't control. So easier said than done it's only taken me 40 said, yeah you know 45 plus that, years to even have any of that perspective so easy yeah the thing is to uh, i think um what mindfulness teaches you is that your external world doesn't have to dictate your internal world and so therefore it's my choice to be content with life it's then it's my choice to be uh, happy to be harmonious, uh, to be calm, that's my choice. And, and that's not dependent on 
my external world, which means that uh, if, you know, Donna and I disagree with something, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to spend the rest of the day with her. It doesn't mean that, um, you know, uh, we're not going to go and watch a movie. It doesn't mean that, we you know, we don't go shopping together. That uh, we just wouldn't let uh, a disagreement, argument, whatever you want to call it, we wouldn't let that get in our in the way of us two spending time together, and and that's same how we've raised our daughter. Um, it's the same that we share with our personal clients. And just because you've had a, a a bad day, that doesn't dictate how I turn up to her home. Uh, I often share this with my male clients: is uh, my daughter doesn't care how many people I've worked with during the day she doesn't care how many people i've helped she only cares about the man that turns up to the house you know at the end of the day and if and if i'm not being present with her and i'm not being patient and i'm not being calm and open and, and loving towards her well that's the person that she's seeing uh is this stressed and fatigued and uh, aggro and you know uh, despondent and 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 whatnot so you imagine uh, our, our clients walking up to our daughter and saying wow you know your parents are so are so awesome and then she turns around and says well i don't get that at all at home you know i see yeah. a completely different person so it's you know the next stage of, of your mindfulness journey is don't rely on your external world or whatever's happening during the day to dictate your, your choice. Like, how do you want to present sure. with yourself and the people around you? Uh, and, and and you can keep you can keep taking it uh, a step further. Where um, uh, recently, I had a a member of a private club and for whatever reason he took a dislike to me and um and he went literally out of his way to get me kicked out of this club now we've been members for 20 plus years uh, this particular member has been a member for even longer about almost 30 years and i honestly that i could not figure out what the issue was but it never stopped me from uh, always saying good morning and good evening and I hope you're well and so forth. And, and this went on for many months. Uh, in, in the end, uh, the staff around at, at this club and, and even the CEO, it showed up that he had misunderstood uh, what was happening uh, business-wise and he misunderstood the person he thought it was uh it, i was the instigator of something and he got uh it was a completely different member and oh. so for all those months that uh he was being spiteful attacking uh and you know whatever rude and you know whatever you want yeah, to call the, it the wrong you know guy. the perspective is this isn't really happening to me um something's going on with this person and that's not going to dictate to me how polite i'm going to continue being with this person mindfulness doesn't turn you silly doesn't make you stupid you're ac acutely aware of what's happening it's just what you decide to do with that that's the power of mindfulness
I love it. And, uh, and yeah, we're Amazing. basically running up on time. Amazing. Um, yes. So I just want a couple comments. And, I mean, we could continue, obviously, for a long, long time. But I, oh, I know. Poor Billy's already, like, he had, like, a two-hour episode <laughs> to, like, edit last time. And now he's going to have yeah. another two-hour episode. We I, love you, Billy. Yes, it is. It is. It is all love, Billy. And, uh, you know, just keep drinking caffeine. It doesn't matter about the time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Uh, whatever it takes to get it done. You know, whatever it takes to get it done. Uh, you know, no, but I think the mindfulness stuff is so, is so powerful. And uh, what I think is great, you know, I've read a couple, you know, anecdotes or, you know, sort of pieces of information. One of the things <laughs> that has stuck with me a bit around this is that um, they talk about people who go through really traumatic stuff, you know, like lose a limb or something like that. And, you know, they talk about how people who are predisposed to be a certain, you know, sort of frame of mind, you know, cope with those kinds of things in ways that, you know, they will get over something like that, even, the, you know, more quickly or, you know, more productively than, you know, somebody else dealing with something much more minor, right? Because of the way that their, you know, their their frame of mind is and, and sort of like yeah. this baseline happiness and understanding of the things they can control versus the things they can't. And I think that's a lot of what you're talking about, which is, you know, when you realize that, hey, the things that are out of your control are out of your control. The things that you can control are how you, you know, it's like, I can't control what happens to me, but I can control how I react to it. That's and, right. you know, those kinds of things. And I know we say it a lot. It's it's hard to put it in practice. And I think that's where the real special sauce comes in. And that's where I'm sure your clients, you know, are really getting, you know, their money's worth is that, you know, to be able to put those kinds of things in practice so that, that it doesn't just become a platitude or something that you say, but it's a way that you actually live and it's, you know, it, and, and it's how, what you actually do in real life. And uh, yeah, and we'd all be better for it, man. So it's all, uh, yeah. you know, great stuff. Mm. So I thought you were going to say there's still a problem with the member. We're going to have to come to Australia and like have the conversation <laughs> with him in person, and show him some things that he can't control. You know what I'm saying? But but we don't have to. I'm glad that no, there's a happy ending. No, no. That's great. <laughs> anyway. Um, Everything passes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. And well, and I think, look, I mean, I love where you guys are coming from. I mean, you've got, you know, some of this, you know, such a wide range when you think about, you know, the way you approach everything from nutrition to sleep to, you know, again, how, you know, the mindfulness piece, the mental performance, like, you know, with, you know, a baseline of, of, you know, health and, you know, martial arts and some of the other stuff and exercise and food. And I mean, it's just, you know, it's a holistic, it's a holistic approach to your life in a real super positive way, man. I love it, man. I think it's awesome. And, uh, yeah, so Jen, I'm gonna I'm gonna go run through the kind of the end here, unless you have anything else that you want to say here as we close it up. I, I just wanted to thank both both Donna and Marcello for coming on. I'm just so grateful for your time and like basically my two worlds coming together today. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's for me, it's just been like amazing, and and I really, I, I just hope our audience, uh, there's some takeaways there that they can get and. I mean, we covered a lot of things, and I, I really think that there is. Um, so thank uh, you so, so much. 100%. And I think, you know, we'll have the links on our site so that people can find the website um, and find you guys and, and maybe follow you on social and all that good stuff. So because I think just introducing you all to the audience is a super beneficial thing for all of them. And, uh, you know, I think it's great. I mean, look, we're all trying to improve, and you guys are really helping, you know, walking the walk and helping people do that. Like, And, and, and I love it. I think it's awesome. And uh, so thank you so much. Um, um, by the way, a joint AKA since I didn't, you know, was AKA Donatello, you know, like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. I was going to throw that one in earlier. That's a good one. Um, <laughs> 
but uh, you know, combining the names and all that good stuff. But uh, but listen, thank you so much. Much appreciated. I love this. I thought this was awesome. And uh, to the audience, I hope you guys enjoyed. Again, we were uh, you know this wasn't our typical domain focused stuff, but this is also why Jen and I are looking to do this down the rabbit hole series like this, so that we can introduce everybody to some things that they might not otherwise get exposure to, and uh, hopefully they get some benefit from, or at least enjoy the time that they take listening or watching the show. So thank you to everybody for tuning in. Because like I say on every show, without you there is no us. So thank you very very much, and uh, and of course thank you to Jen. Uh, you know that it's uh, you know as much as I appreciate you being here doing this. And with that, we'll say goodbye, um, and uh, we'll see you next time here on Domain Sherpa. We're all roads lead to domains, and I'll say fair faring, which is a Scottish phrase meaning good journey. May you travel far under fair skies and even further down dark deep rabbit holes. So thanks everybody, and we'll see you next time here on Domain Sherpa. Peace thank out. You.